Thank you. How are we doing? Good morning. How good is winter in this country? It's like you don't even need to own a jacket. It's just for, for looks. It's so good. Um, we're going to jump straight in. We're in the middle of a series on evangelism. And I just love the fact that this morning, actually throughout this whole month, that we can have topics like this that are so aligned to the heart of God. If you've been sitting here and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I really have a responsibility to share my faith, then I would encourage you, you need to revisit the heart of God. Because it is, we, we, we celebrated and we, we went after miracles in people's bodies, we went after breakthrough, but the greatest miracle is someone coming out of darkness and into light. The greatest miracle is someone who comes in relationship with the Father. And um, if you've got your Bibles, which I'm sure you do, Let's go straight to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the Lake Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. And verse 11 so they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. This is an incredible passage of scripture because literally Jesus is here. He's been doing miracles. He's gathering quite a crowd. He's, he's been preaching. He's been speaking. And there he is by this lake and his popularity is growing. And all of a sudden people start crowding around him. And for security control, he, he decides to jump in a boat and just push it out on the shore a little bit. And here we have in this picture these, these couple of, of guys who are fishing. They're minding their own business. They've been out all night. They're washing their nets. And then all of a sudden, Jesus ends up in their boat. 
And we know the story when he's finished, when Jesus is finished teaching the people, he says, why don't you just push out and throw your nets out for a catch? And Peter says, well, we've fished all night. We've caught nothing. And we know the story that they catch such an amount of fish that they have to signal their partners and the, the, the boats are about to sink. And scholars tell us that the amount of fish they caught was a couple of tons of fish in this moment. And literally it equated to about one month's worth of fishing. The amount of fish they caught in that moment was the equivalent of what they would typically catch in a month of hard work. And the interesting thing here we read is that in verse 11, it says, So they pulled their boats to the shore, and they left everything and followed Jesus. I just want to talk a little bit about the context of this before we jump into it. But maybe you're here this morning, and you're reading this passage like I do, and you're thinking these guys are going out fishing like you and me would on a social Saturday. I'd like to propose that Peter, James, and John were very different to the way you and me fish. If you're anything like me, you go out socially. You get the line wet. You come back with some good st stories, maybe a cold, but not many fish. Who, who can agree with that? Um... Actually, I've actually become really good friends with a, a bloke who actually knows how to fish. And um, this week we've actually planned a fishing trip and he rang me up the other day to discuss the details and what he said to me was, when I go fishing, I come back with minimum a bucket full of fish. And I was like, that sounds good. And he said, but we'll be fishing in the dark. And I was like, what? He's like, we'll be fishing in the dark. And then I realized, oh, that's, that's how he catches the fish, because he actually knows when the fish feed. And so, a little bit like my friend, Peter, James, and John were actually professional fishermen. This was their sole occupation. Not only was it their sole occupation, it was most likely their, their father's occupation and their grandfather's occupation. This was something that was most likely in their family. Ever since their earliest memories would be catching fish, would be out on the sea, would be out on the boat to make a living and to catch fish. They were experts. They knew how to look at the moon. They knew how to look at the weather conditions. They knew how to read the ocean, the lakes, and how to catch fish. But in this moment, they had all their expertise and everything was going for them, yet they caught nothing. And here, ironically, Jesus says, in the middle of the day, when the fish are not feeding, he says, just push the boat out and throw your nets out. And we read the story that they caught a world-breaking amount of fish. What I find fascinating is, is that 
this event for Peter, James and John would have been what they dreamt of. This event in their lives would have been what, ever since they were a little kid and they were going to take over the family business, this is what they would have dreamt of, is a day when they would catch so many fish that it would put their own boat in jeopardy. You imagine this afternoon if you go and you do a split shift wherever you work and you get paid a month's wages. I think there would be a little bit more excitement than going through the drive-thru on the way home. But literally, this was the moment in their business and their sole occupation that they had dreamed of. A moment when all the hard work was paying off. A moment where all of a sudden they could start to relax and pull back and, and it's like, hey, we got some security here. And this fascinates me because at the moment of the pinnacle of their success, of two boats full of fish, Jesus says, follow me. And what do they do? They turn their back, leave everything and followed him. I would like to propose that there was more than just a simple question. There was something about Jesus that grabbed their attention. There was something supernatural about Jesus that made them want to leave everything and follow him. Jesus said to them, follow me. He said, forsake the familiar and walk in faith. Come and follow me. He said to them, enlarge your capacity and I will bring you into your calling. But it's like Jesus said in this moment to Peter, James and John, it was like he said, but before you find your calling, you're going to have to forsake your comfort. Before you step into your calling, you're going to have to forsake your comfort. This morning, the title of this message is From Comfort to Calling. And I would like to propose this morning that these two elements, calling and comfort, at least in this story, could not coexist. There was something that Jesus was calling the disciples to where they actually had to leave something behind, where they actually had to forsake the familiar, the comfort, the security and the safety before they were able actually to walk into the calling that Jesus had for them. Jesus was calling them to become fishers of men, evangelism, discipling nations. But they had to forsake their comfort, the familiar, before they could step into that calling. Our vision is transforming our community through the love and power of Jesus. And that has many expressions which I love in this church. But at the end of the day, if we're going to transform our community through the love and power of Jesus, there's going to be some sort of element of forsaking comfort to step into that calling of God on our lives and our church. I'm not saying we should all go and resign from our jobs tomorrow. I'm not saying we should all go have a garage sale and sell all our possessions tomorrow. But what I am saying is that If we're going to fully step into the purposes of God on our life, there's going to be some sort of element of comfort that we're going to have to forsake. 
Because we see here in this passage that both can't coexist. We can't step fully into the purposes of God and have comfort, have safety, have self-indulgence, have all these things. There's got to be some sacrifice. There's got to be some forsaking our comfort. How many know that God's primary function is not actually to maintain your comfort levels? It's incredible. Because sometimes when we think about God as a heavenly father, we think, hang on, he's our heavenly father. His primary purpose is to keep me comfortable. But I'd like to propose this morning that we see in the life of Jesus all through the Gospels, that his primary role, his function was not actually to keep people comfortable. It was actually to convict. It was actually confrontational. Not out of condemning people, but out of love. We see this in John chapter 6 where Jesus is just multiplied food and the crowds are there and everyone's having a great lunch. They're having some comfort food. They're enjoying the comfort food. And then all of, a, all of a sudden, a few verses later, Jesus says this crazy statement. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. How many know that that was an uncomfortable statement? And all of a sudden, the crowd left. They said, Jesus will take the lunch, but we're not taking that. We're not taking cannibalism. And he didn't explain what he meant. And all of a sudden, the crowd left. I'm sure you would agree that we live in a society of comfort. Coping mechanisms is our comfort. Whether it's comfort food is your coping mechanism. I can't think of anything better right now than a bag of Doritos, Krispy Kreme donuts, um, ice cream tub of cookie dough, ice cream, whatever it is, it's our coping mechanism. We want to sit back at the end of the week and have these things in reach and sit down in our favorite sofa, in our favorite place, where the sofa has actually morphed into the shape of our body so that we can be in a, in a space of comfort. We even have comfort friends. I won't ask you to put your hand up. Comfort friends are good to us, but they're not always good for us. Comfort friends make us feel good for five minutes, but in the long term, they don't actually say the truth. They come and pat us on the back when we're down, and they're, they're good in the short term, but they don't actually speak the truth into our life. But, but all of a sudden, it makes us feel better, and we love to hang around with comfort friends. Maybe you've been one. Or comfort phrases, comfort talk. Sometimes we th say things like, oh, I'm just, I just have to live with this dysfunction. This is always going to be my problem. It's things we say to try and excuse our dysfunction. And it makes us feel better. But we're surrounded, we live in a culture of comfort. 
As we look at this passage, I'd like to pose the question, is it possible that your comfort is keeping you from your calling? Is it possible that your value for comfort is actually stopping you from fully stepping into the calling of God? Because at least in this passage, the two couldn't coexist. We have a culture where we've put so many things around us that are so comfortable. We've surrounded ourselves in comfort and safety and self-preservation. But potentially we're actually destroying the very call of God over our life. Crazy enough, we even go to churches because of how comfortable they are. And more importantly... Or less importantly, we leave churches because we're uncomfortable. Our vision is transforming our community. If we're going to fulfill our vision, we're going to need to move. We're going to need to move in some level or another out of our comfort. The last three weeks, sorry, three weeks ago and around that time, I've been personally challenged about this. I had a dream, woke up, and the Lord was speaking to me as I was lying in bed. And he said to me, Ben, you're way too comfortable. You're way too comfortable. And I was like, I actually thought I was doing okay. And he's like, our church is way too comfortable. Now, you might be here and you're just smashing it. That, that's awesome. That's it. all those other people that are comfortable. <laughs> but generally speaking, we're way too comfortable. We're way too comfortable. We celebrate and rightly so the good things God is doing. But I believe the purposes, the plans, the prophetic words, the promises that God has over this church over you individually, we're only going to fully step into them as we forsake, in some level or another, this comfortable state. I'm not saying we have to resign from our jobs, but what I'm saying is there will be a moment where there's something that we say, hang on, just like the boys did in verse 11, they said, hang on, leaving everything, and they followed Jesus. I love in this passage that the actual context is talking, to, is talking about evangelism. Because oftentimes we, the very thing that stops us sharing our faith is a sense of self-preservation, of comfort, of safety. And I love at the moment that we're getting stirred up to step out of our comfort zone and actually represent the heartbeat of God to our community. I've asked three people to come up um, to sit on these stools. I asked them three weeks ago, so they're very well prepared. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I, some of them probably don't even know I've asked them yet because they haven't looked at their phones. But anyway, um, I've asked three people to come up because I actually um, 
want us to have an understanding. And, and, and these people are people that are actually modeling what I'm talking about right now. But I want us to um, have an understanding and a, get a feel for what it actually means practically to transition from a, a place of comfort into the calling of God in our lives. So I've asked Carol if you would come, um, Kurt and Josh. Do you know the question? Do you know the question? Like I said... um, trying to make this as practical as we can. And the question is, what is a practical way that has helped you go from your comfort into God's calling over your life? So what we're going to ask these guys this morning is, just like Peter, James and John, there was something that caused them to step out of the familiar, the known, the safe, and actually embark on this journey into where God was calling them. Um, we might start with Josh. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Ben. Um, for me, um, over the years, I've had uh, some incredible prophecies over my life. And one of them is that God would use me to help people out of bondage, out of, out of darkness into light. Now, these prophecies and promises mean nothing unless you're ready to partner with God. That won't come to fruition unless you partner with God. So for me, it's having that posture and, and, and saying, God, I'm ready to put my hand to the plow. I'm ready to go. I know where the destination is, but I don't know what the process is, but I trust you with the process. You know, you think about Joseph. Joseph had this dream of all these sheaves bound down to Joseph. And, and that speaks about authority, speaks about, um, you know, uh, a leadership. But God didn't say that you're going to go into the pit one day. He didn't say you're going to go into the prison one day. If Joseph knew that, he would say, no, no Lord, forget about the destination. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. So it is trusting God uh, with the process. And and. The way I see it is if God could transform at once a self-centered, arrogant prick like me, <laughs> right? And if he could do that, man, I trust him with everything. Amen. Till the very last breath, I trust him with everything. Amen. So trust the Lord with, with the process. He yep. will bring you to fruition. But the key is get your hand on the plow. Yeah. Get moving. Yeah. And, and God will bring it through. Very good. So good. I, I love what you were saying, Josh, because sometimes we're sitting back and we're, lo- we're looking for God to give us 10 prophetic words that line up, or we're looking for him to say things multiple times, Well, what you're saying is, hey, I'm ready. When he speaks, it's go time. So good, so good. Was, it, was that good? Was that good? Carol. Um, <laughs> how do I step out? I think... Um, one of the things that has stopped me from stepping out mm. is uh, sometimes not being certain that it's what God is asking me to do. 
Um, and so how do I, I guess the answer to that is how when I do step out, do I know it's God? Um, and I think praying in tongues is one of the greatest gifts God has given us. Mm. And when I'm facing a decision, I spend a lot of time in prayer. I, spend, I worship. But often when I'm, I'm praying and when I'm just in my quiet time, like um, God will often do things and confirm it in both Shane and I. And a lot of our, of our giftings and ministry, we've done things together, but we'll often get them separately. Um, probably four months ago, we were both... I don't know, but we both came and we said, we were just having a discussion, what is God speaking to you at the moment? And we both said, I feel we're really asking God what's next, which is a little bit scary. You know, we've done some pretty amazing things and, and seen some God provide in amazing ways. So in our mid to late 50s, we're saying, okay, God, what next? And feeling like it might be something new. Um, that's exciting, but it's also a bit scary. Mm -hmm. So we actually talk to other people about it. Uh, that helps us. One of the other things in the past that's really helped is um, talking to people we trust in the spirit and watching, hearing testimonies of other people that have stepped out in faith. I've always loved reading biographies, um, hearing how God, people have heard from God and what they have done once they've heard and, and how that unfolds. I've always found that really inspiring. Mm. Yeah, um, I guess being, being willing. Being willing, being willing to take risks. Being willing to be a fool. Being willing to make mistakes, particularly in things of the spirit. You know, moving in the things of the spirit, particularly in a public meeting. Oh, I could never do that. <laughs> You know, but being prepared to make a mistake, knowing that I'm loved and that people love me, even if I do make a mistake, I've made some doozies, but in it, those are the things that God has shown me his love the most and where he's confirmed me as an individual the most. Um, so that's thank you, body, <laughs> for loving me. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a growth. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, that's... I love that it was like the full, the, the, it was like the, the, the entree, the main and the dessert. It was like that intimacy, that prayer with God, that community with people. And then it was like taking risks and being willing to go a bit like Josh was saying, the hand on the plow ready to go. Kurt, do you want to yeah. share something? Um, yeah, for me, I guess it would be um, like I, when I was coming to church, like, like you just go through the motions and... You're just sort of part of it. And, but what really changed for me is when I found an accountability partner and I was just accountable to someone. Yep. So, like, someone who can just love and trust you, you know, you, you can trust. And to just be honest and real with and just go, hey, this is going on, you know, and they can love you where you're, where you're at. Mm. And for me, that just changes things, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, like... Um, because we can all say we're going to do this and that, but when somebody says, "Hey, you said you were going to do this," mm -hmm. it really can, um, yeah. That that's where things start to happen, and it really starts to push you. Yeah. Mm. 
So good. Thanks, Kurt. That was awesome. Um, I would encourage you, if you're in that position where you're journeying out of like the familiar, the safe, maybe you've never really taken a step, maybe it's, maybe it's into a ministry, maybe it's even just sharing your faith, maybe it's into just learning how to love your spouse better, or, or doing family better, or, or, or taking a step of faith in a certain direction, I think this is the key. I think this is one of the greatest things you can do to accelerate your growth, is to get accountable with someone. And all these three people actually touched on this. The fact that being accountable, being in community is a key for going forward. And um, I, I thought that was great. Thanks for, thanks for the thoughts you shared. Thank you. Just as we finish up this morning, I, I want to encourage us that in verse 11, when Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me, they didn't actually say to Jesus, hang on, wait up, we'll, we'll just hook the, the boat on and we'll be right behind you on the freeway. Verse 11 actually says they left stuff. They actually left stuff that were holding them back, their place of security, their place of safety, and they actually followed him. Jesus promises that he will make them fishers of men. And guess what happened in Acts 2? Peter gets up and 3,000 people get saved in a moment. And this is the transition that happens as we say yes to him, as we take a step out of the familiar, out of the safe place, out of our comfort, God will do extraordinary things. So this morning I want to pray for you. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just before we finish up, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to give you an opportunity. Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he interacted and he confronted the religious system, the political system, but his, his motive behind it was love. His confrontation was to show people what the Father is really like. And maybe you're here this morning and you've actually got a distorted view of what God's like. Maybe you're in this place and you're like, hey, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never actually left behind and said, I'm going to follow you. Right now, I want to include you in a prayer. Is there anyone here that just says, Ben, include me in that prayer? Just put your hand up if there's anyone here that says, I want to follow Jesus. We don't want to move on until we give opportunity for this to happen. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make, is saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been in church for a while, and you're like, hey, I need to make a fresh decision to follow Jesus this morning. If there's anyone, just, I'm just going to wait one more moment. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else just before we go on? There's two guys here that have been courageous enough to say, I want to follow Jesus. Anybody else, just quickly. Guys, put your hand up. I want you to pray this prayer after me. And 
our whole church family here is going to pray it with you. So let's all pray this together. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And today of my own free will, I choose you. Take control of my life and come and live inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we celebrate that? Just as we close the service this morning, if you would like prayer for anything at all, maybe you're even here and you didn't put your hand up, you're like a little bit shy. We're going to be here to pray for people. If you want to come and give, just just say, I want to make a fresh commitment to follow Jesus. We're going to be here to pray. If you want um, the Lord to do incredible things, if you want healing in your body, breakthrough, financially, relationally, whatever it is, um, we want to stand with you this morning, so we'll make that available.